Welcome to Creative Superwomen's podcast. We have created the podcast to be a voice to inspire women to achieve their dreams. Here at Creative Superwomen, we have a huge passion for driving women to be successful. We want women to feel empowered and make their dreams come true. The podcast will discuss a range of topics with women within startups, business, providing career advice, as well as health, fitness and nutritional experts and much, much more. Today we have Jaspreet Kaur with us on the podcast and Jaspreet is an award-winning poet and writer alongside being a history teacher and is going to be releasing her debut book called Brown Girl Like Me. Jaspreet has also got a TED talk which you can find on YouTube about her journey into poetry. So welcome Jaspreet and thank you for being on the podcast today. Hi Hobbs, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So it will be great to tap in a little bit more about you, Jaspreet. So let's let's start to kind of get uh, to know you a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for the, for the lovely introduction as well. And I guess you've summarized kind of the, the key roles that I play and who, who it is that I am and what it is that I do. And so I am a spoken word poet a writer and a teacher so kind of multiple hats that I wear but I think they all kind of make up a huge part of who I am so the part of me that is a teacher is something I've been doing for about five six years now I've been teaching history in secondary schools across London and I also teach history sociology and politics um, because of my background academically um, in history and in gender studies but as well as being a teacher, and that was my day job, uh, five days a week for, for quite a few years. Alongside all of that, I am also a poet and a writer. And I have been writing poetry since I was about 13. So it's definitely been a much longer journey. My journey as a poet is something that started as a teenager. Um, and for a very long time, it was something that I really did just kind of keep to myself. And it was a coping mechanism for a lot of the things that I was experiencing and, and had gone through as a teenager. Um, and yeah, I kind of kept kept going. I used writing as, as a form of therapy, as an outlet for a lot of those emotions I was going through as a teenager and, and used that continuously through my 20s, through my early 20s as well. And um, it was only back in 2015 that I decided, decided to pluck up the courage to actually share that poetry with the world. And I performed at an event in, in West London, in Hounslow. Um, it was an event called Saffron Mike, and it was a number of different artists and poets and singers and musicians kind of coming together to share their work. And it was the first time I'd ever performed. And I remember being so so nervous the night before and I was like double guessing whether I should go or not and even got close to saying no I'm not going to go I don't think I can do this I've, I've never been a very confident public speaker I was always such a shy introverted person um, and still am uh, which is something I can I can talk about a little bit more later um, but yeah I, I plucked up the courage to go and I'm so glad I did because 
that day, that evening, honestly did change my life. And that's where my journey as a poet and as Behind the Netra truly began, because from that one performance that, that went viral, um, I continued sharing my work online, on, on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. And it really just snowballed from there. And the journey as a poet continued and I've performed on stages across the UK and some very big stages, one that you mentioned already, the, the TED talk I did back in 2017 for TEDx London on how poetry saved my life. Um, I've worked with amazing women's organisations and networks across the country and it's brought me to where I am today, which is working on my very first book, my debut book entitled Brown Girl Like Me, uh, which is coming out early 2022. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's about me and, and who I am and what it is that I do. Thank you for sharing that, Jaspreet. Really insightful um, story about your journey, where it started and how you kind of got into poetry. So if we tap a little bit more into, you know, what does poetry mean to you? And, you know, how did it, you, you've said how it came alive and, um, you know, it's a contributor of your childhood and what you used to write about. So just wanting to understand a little bit more about the essence of poetry and the importance of it to you? Oh, amazing question. Um, I guess poetry to me can mean so many different things. And I think poetry is really about, I, I remember reading this really beautiful quote once that said, poetry is about making the small big. And I think that's really true about this idea of making all those inner parts of us that may seem quite small and, and meaningless to ourselves, making them into something bigger. Um, and I think there's definitely this idea of poetry being something that can connect us to other people and create more connection and empathy in, in, in humanity. Um, and I really do talk about the power of poetry and it has so much power on an individual level, on a social level, on a political level. I feel that poetry can be used in all kinds of ways. Um, but I guess there's a number of different things about poetry that inspire me and kind of first and foremost, I tell people when, whenever anyone asks me who, who what poets inspire me or um, who is my favourite poet, um, I always do say about the fact that I am a Sikh Punjabi woman and the fact that being a Sikh woman and coming from the Sikh faith means that poetry is a really a big part of who I am and, and who we are as a community because if we even think about our faith and think about the gurus themselves or even think about how our bani is written, it's all been written in poetic form. Um, and I think that sometimes people don't recognise that the arts um, and poetry is a big part of our community and a big part of our history. So I always say that that is ultimately kind of where my, my inspiration starts from. Um, but for me as a poet, myself that journey started when I was a teenager and like I mentioned before it was something I was using as a form of therapy and I was using it as a way to navigate and unpack a lot of the things that I was holding in and bottling in as a teenager and have kept using it as, as a way to express my emotions for many years um, but I, I, I guess that's why I wanted to share that story with the world. And, and when I did the TED talk on how poetry saved my life, I really did mean it because there was a time in my life where I felt I had no other options, nobody to talk to. 
um, growing up in a community and in a family where mental health was still quite stigmatized. Um, I felt like I couldn't share a lot of the things that I was going through and I was suffering from anxiety attacks and later on even depression. So it really did save my life. And I did some research with the Arts and Wellbeing Foundation a few years ago. And what that research showed was that if we use poetry as a form of therapy, it can actually really improve people's experiences of anxiety and depression and and that research showed that over six weeks of using writing and using poetry as a way to support anxiety and depression within six weeks people started feeling better Um, and not only that it can also save the NHS around £200,000 a year so it is really such a, a powerful tool that I feel that we can all individually tap into but also collectively as a community tap into as well so um yeah it means so so much and it's it's really become a huge part of who I am today I think that's so beautiful like you know how it links back to your religion of being Sikh and you know what it means to you from that instance and what you've been able to do and explore more about helping others and their research I think that's really powerful Um, especially when it's yourself that's been through it initially and then you've seen the impact it had on you and what it can have on others so I think that's super beautiful linking your religion your personal experiences and then how you can help others Um, that's such a a beautiful journey I think Um, so thank you for sharing um, that and being so open about that and I've listened to your TED talk myself and I think it's super inspirational and it's super insightful and you can really see that journey you've been on um and it's really well presented and your poetry was absolutely beautiful like it was so nice um so I just wanted to go on to like you know being a um a writer do you feel like there's been any obstacles like being a poet a writer um and going into an industry um and a career into that you know, along your journey, any obstacles you faced and difficulties that, you know, looking back, you think could have been prevented? Or do you think they were good learnings? It would be great to just get your insights on that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I guess you kind of said it right there that I've, I've kind of gone into an industry of being a poet, being a writer, an industry that our communities typically don't go into. I didn't go into the typical stereotypical job roles of perhaps becoming a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or an accountant which I know my mom and dad would would have definitely have loved but I did go into teaching which was something that they did understand and they it was a a job that they were familiar with um but as a poet and as a writer was something that was completely going into the unknown um, especially as trying to formalize it as something that can be a career and something that can be a sustainable career that I can hopefully keep doing for a long time um, and it's definitely been a difficult journey I, I would say for the last five years of, of building behind the nether building the brand building my my journey as a writer it's all been pretty tough Um, and I think there was a number of obstacles and a number of barriers that I had to get through. Um, I remember feeling at times that I didn't know 
anything about the industries that I was approaching. I didn't know somebody that knows knew somebody that had connections in the industry. Um, I couldn't ask anyone particularly for any advice on, say, publishing or how to become a writer um, and how to become a full-time poet. There was there was no one around me in those circles. Um, and there's definitely something to say on that and something to recognize that we as perhaps women of color or from ethnic minorities don't necessarily have the same social and cultural capital of our white counterparts. And that was a barrier. And I had to figure out how can I still navigate this industry and navigate this career choice um, with some of these barriers in place. And, And one of the main things I had to do was really do the work and really do the research Um, And what I mean by that is I can kind of give an example in terms of going into publishing and and going into publishing my work and writing a book. I had no idea where to start. How how do you publish a book? How do you get a book in a bookstore or being sold online or on Amazon? How does that even happen? And I had to spend a lot of time really researching the different approaches into doing that. I looked into self-publishing. I looked into kind of crowdfunding and self-funded books. I looked at the kind of traditional route about approaching uh, a publishing house. And I, I spent a good couple of years really researching those things. So it did take time. Um, and after doing that work and after doing that research, I recognized the way the system works um, and what things you have to work through, what things you need to do about perhaps getting a literary agent, creating a proposal for the book and putting that pitch together and kind of all the things that are needed. So I definitely would say that even if you are experiencing obstacles in, in whichever industry you're interested in getting into, whether it's writing or whether it's anything within the arts and culture space, don't feel like you need to rush into it and make any rush decisions. Um, and I'm really glad that I didn't um, because over the years there have been opportunities that had come up which would have essentially been maybe quick wins um, or quick ways to get up that ladder. but. I recognised that those ways weren't for me and weren't things that resonated with what I wanted to do or resonated with my values. So I had to really think about not taking those quick wins and not rushing and doing this the right way. Um, so, yeah, I guess that that is one kind of piece of advice I would say to people to, to not feel they need to rush into becoming whatever it is that you're imagining the dream might be um, and taking that time to do the research, do the work um, and really thinking about what it is that you want. Um, And I always tell people to always start with the purpose, start with why is it that you want to do this career or why is it that you want to become a writer or a poet? Um, A great book by Simon Sinek, which is Start With The Why. is, is is exactly emphasizing that this idea of always start with why is it that you want to take this step or start this job or start this business or start this enterprise or whatever it is that you're doing start with the why um, and ultimately my why and my purpose was always to help people and again relating it back to being sick this idea of living by the principles of doing the seva that I need to do and and seva being this selfless service, but also this element of what can I do with this time on earth to help people? 
and that might be through the charity work that I do that might be the writing that might be the poetry it might even be just sharing my vulnerabilities sharing my experiences with other people to know that they're not alone in what they're going through Um, and that's why I'm quite open about my mental health journey and my experiences with anxiety and some of those really vulnerable parts of myself because I recognize that if I share some of those parts of those difficult things I've gone through and even the difficult things I've gone through on this journey as a poet if I share those difficulties it might make somebody's life easier or it might make somebody else feel like you know what I'm not alone in this so yeah always starting with the why always helps and and definitely not to rush into whatever it is that you want to do so nicely put because I think in today's world everything seems to be a marathon and how quickly Mm. people can get there instead of taking that back seat and understanding their why uh, Mm. and doing like purposeful work or purposeful activities because in today's world it feels like time's just running you by like it just it's flying by and um, without having that purpose of you know understanding what you're doing can sometimes hold you back from your like true reflection of what you want in life um and even, you know, sharing your vulnerabilities and not everyone does that. So, I mean, people will learn from your story and people can probably um, learn through writing and poetry and, you know, you're inspiring people across your journey too. Um, so I think that's so lovely. And also, you know, making sure those obstacles don't hold you back because a lot of the time people would probably just pause and be like, okay, there's too many obstacles. And how do we actually um, get past this? Do we just leave it because it's just easier to leave it than bypass the obstacles and really go on to the next level of that journey? So I think that happens a lot of the time. And, you know, from your journey, what actually helped you keep that momentum uh, alongside knowing your why um, to overcome those obstacles? I guess what kept me going and and that element of resilience um, because resilience is needed um, and I talk about resilience a lot lot and how to build that resilience Um, I guess a part of it is reminding yourself of of what it is that you're proud of and the achievements that you have so far Um, I think exactly like you said Harps I think we're very big on moving on to the next thing moving on to the next thing moving on to the next thing um, and even this element of kind of wanting this instant gratification all the time I think there's there's a real power um, in in taking a moment to pause and, and feel grateful for what you have and proud of what you have achieved so far so at times where I felt like oh should I keep going or is this worth continuing or is this sustainable I had to take a moment to pause and kind of look at where I'd reached so far and what it is that I have to be proud of. Um, and I guess the other thing that really kept me going is alongside that 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 element of the purpose and the why and, and that mission that I'm, I'm doing um, is also thinking about the network that was around me and that supported me through all of this. And there's been friends and my family and my husband that have really supported me through every step that I've taken over the last five years. Um, even ones that seemed a bit crazy or seemed a bit out there or when I decided to take a break from teaching um, not too long ago, back in December 2019, I decided to take a break from teaching to really focus on this journey as a writer and as a poet and, and dedicate a bit more time to me as a writer. And I was doing something that was pretty radical, leaving a very safe career, um, be it 
stressful um, because teachers absolutely have an insane workload and being a teacher is not easy and, and, I, and I know that from personal experience but I was leaving a career that was a steady income, a career that most people understood and, and where it was going and what trajectory it's on um, going into something that was very unknown and becoming a freelancer and becoming self-employed um, and setting up my own business. So along that whole journey of, of doing all these things and making these choices and all the setbacks and even some of the failures, some of the rejections that I faced, um, because there's definitely been a number of those, um, there's been my family who have kept me going and um, I'm very close to my family I'm very close to my mum and dad um, my siblings my nephews and my niece um, I am a boy and I'm a musty so that's a big part of who I am um, but also ultimately my, my husband's definitely been my biggest supporter and my biggest cheerleader throughout this entire process um, so that has definitely kept me going the combination of reminding myself what mission I am on um, but also having a network around me of people that I love um, and people that I care about but also give me that support and that push um, whenever I've needed it. Yeah I, I truly believe in that you know the people you surround you and motivate you and are your cheerleaders really help push you through those obstacles because I find yeah. the same in my life in terms of my friends and family really pushing me to kind of even for example start the podcast and start creative yeah. superwomen um and without their support it's like you can easily find your own obstacles and stop but with them cheering you on it really helps and you know with their support they can you know make it easier for you to commit to certain work assignments for example and then they understand your journey and they're along yeah. they're on the journey with you which makes it much easier than you just being in the background trying to do your thing um when you invite them on the journey it makes it so much easier and it's so nice to see the support that you get as well yeah um and that's definitely been quite a journey within itself I remember when I first started performing as a poet and I first started doing shows I remember my family feeling really worried about what it is that I was doing, especially my mom wondering, okay, you're doing these shows and late at night and all those concerns that parents have specifically for a daughter, um, which is very different to the concerns that they have for a son. Um, and I often felt that was really unfair, but I also understood their worries and their concerns and kind of understood the context that they were coming from. So what I, I tried to do was exactly what you said, Harp, was about bringing them on this journey with me. Um, and that literally meant I started bringing my parents to a lot of my shows, a lot of my events, a lot of my talks, so they could see um, what it is that I do. Because I think for them, a lot of it, it was just that sense of unknown. Of they don't didn't really knew, know what it is what I was doing. And, and even I didn't know what I was doing sometimes because it was all so new to me. It's such a new industry. Um, but when they started coming to my shows and some of the talks and some of the very big ones and they could see the impact it was making of the on the people in that room or they could see the look on the audience faces or I, I always bring this up about I remember when the first person, first auntie that went over to my mum at the end of a show, at the end of a performance and said to my mum, wow, your daughter was amazing, blah, 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 loved the performance, really connected to it. Um, and then my mum was like, 
wow, this is really, really is making a difference to people. And it's always that element of, okay, when someone else says it, then my mom believed it a little bit more because um, she saw it firsthand. So I feel that's a bit of advice I would give to anybody that perhaps is going into an industry that isn't the stereotypical doctor, daughter, dentist, lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, if it isn't one of those roles and they feel it, it seems unfamiliar to them or if they're worried um, or if they have concerns, try and see if you can take them on that journey a bit with you um, and let them see what it is that you are interested in or experiencing. Um, and yeah, they're a huge part of the journey with me now. And they're my biggest supporters. Um, I always laugh about the fact that my mom is always the first person to comment on all my Facebook posts. Um, my dad reads every newsletter. Um, and obviously right now, because of the current lockdowns um, and no face-to-face events, my parents can't come to any shows with me. Um, but they do attend some of the virtual events. Um, and I'm sure they'll listen to this podcast once it's once it's ready and when it's out there as well. So, um, yeah bringing them on the journey with you is is really important if you can do that that's super cute I think that's so lovely that your parents you know are their front seat listening and seeing everything you're doing and really being part of your journey like when I talk to my parents I'm like I do podcasts and it's like from their generation they're still figuring Mm -hmm. out what podcasts are um so it's really nice to see that um and then kind of bringing it back to kind of your first um, show with doing your poetry and getting that opportunity how did how did that come about in terms of going into the open mic and you really starting to think okay there's actually a field for me to become a public speaker and talk more about my poetry yeah so yeah I, I came across that event it was something I saw online and I saw it on social media um, and they were doing auditions and I reached out and uh yeah plucked up the courage to perform on that night and then from there onwards it did snowball from sharing more of the content online um which was essentially me building a a portfolio of work if you see it like that and building that online so people could see that what it is that I do um but what I recognized was that poetry can really be such an accessible way for us to talk about issues and topics especially within the South Asian community that we so often brush under the carpet. And I wanted to really tackle some of those hard issues within our community. And that first poem I ever performed, it was called Queens and Corpses. And it was a poem that I decided to write after I completed my thesis um, on when I was studying gender studies. And um, I'd done my research on a really difficult and hard-hitting issue but it was on female infanticide in Punjab and I was looking at the ongoing sun preference that is going on in not only in Punjab but across other states in India um, and also other parts of Asia and Southeast Asia and how that idea of sun preference how is that even translated here in the west and why are we still feeling some of those things here today, even in the UK? Why is it that people prefer having a daughter over a son? Um, and I spent a whole year writing that that research paper. Um, but I realized that not everybody may have the time to read a 20,000 word paper. So I wrote it into a poem. I kind of condensed all that research and the, the main themes of it into that poem and performed it on that night. And I saw how much it resonated with everybody in that room. And I saw 
people's eyes well up and I, I spoke to people after the show and then obviously the video that went out online connected with so many people then that's when I saw wow poetry and the arts can be such a powerful way to access communities and get those people to start talking about some of these issues and maybe even start just considering it thinking about it challenging it um, and I, I went forward and continued doing a lot of that and writing on not only issues to do with gender inequality, but also race and identity, um, obviously sharing my mental health poetry so I could tackle the stick stigma around mental health. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it then translated into where I've got to today um, and using those poems and using that content as a way to gain more opportunities and even start building it as as an actual career and a sustainable business is where it's trying to reach today um so yeah that's a, a bit more about how that kind of first performance led me to where I am now and in terms of your current projects and you know building that portfolio what, what does that look like currently? Because I know you do some workshops. Um, so it'll be interesting to learn a little bit more about, you know, what behind the Nitra is right now. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's definitely moved way forward from where it was five years ago. From If I kind of look back at that, that person standing on that stage, shaking with that piece of paper in her hand, um, that girl and that 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 Jasper and that behind the nether that began on that night um, is still a huge part of who I am. But I think I've come leaps and bounds in understanding who I am, what it is that I want to achieve, what mission that I'm on, um, and definitely feeling more confident in all of those things. Um, so behind the nether today and um, where it is right now, where I hope it can go and um, there's multiple streams now of what makes up behind the nether there is definitely still the poetry side of things and the performance poetry and performing spoken word um, and developing my craft in that space and um, there's also obviously the book that I'm working on so that's brown girl like me which is actually a non-fiction book that I'm currently working on and I've been interviewing amazing women from across the country about what it means to be a brown woman um, and that is coming out early next year alongside kind of those literature side of things there's also the workshops and um, like you mentioned and with my background in teaching and with my background in education, there was definitely a huge part of me that still wanted to teach um, because I actually just love teaching. Um, whether that is history or whether that is sociology, which is what I used to do in the classroom, um, or if that is me teaching poetry, if that's me teaching public speaking, if that's me teaching any of the other skill sets that I've been building over the last five to 10 years. Um, I just love being able to teach. So I've started to now develop a way that I can also approach that side of things about teaching and workshops. Um, so since last summer, I've been starting to build um, an online school 
last year we released my first series of poetry workshops online um, and I guess it was something I was hoping to explore for quite a while it's something I wanted to do for a couple of years but last year because of the pandemic and what happened um, with everybody having to be at home and everything having to move virtually I felt like I wanted to start working on that straight away um, and I started working on it with my husband um, who is a big part of the Behind the Nether business now and um, we started developing this online school um, and it's still in the process of that developing but there's definitely more coming out about that later this year about more workshops um, not only in the poetry space but also a number of other workshops that I'm working on too um, but as well as that there's also kind of developing other parts of my craft um, I'm now been working on some screenplays and script writing and um, so yeah there's, there's kind of multiple different parts of what makes Behind the Nidra um, but ultimately the mission is to help people no matter what form that's in whether that's the books I write whether that's the things I teach or whether that is through other types of seva and um, that's what Behind the Nidra was really built on so um, yeah that's kind of where it is now and where it's going hopefully in the next couple of years yeah and I love the fact that you know it all comes back to how you can help others and that energy you have because I can really tell that in your voice on how you talk about really wanting to do, do selfless service you know doing seva for others and the passion for it and it's really going to take you so far and it already has and it's just amazing to see what you've been putting out there and what you still have to offer to people and you know your ongoing projects it's super exciting to hear about all the work you're doing and you will be doing and you know your your new book that will be coming out early next year the brown girl like me um that sounds super interesting and you know being a woman of color um it's going to be super interesting to read and also having a book um written by a woman of color as well and yeah, it'll be interesting to know a little bit more about your book and, you know, where the idea came from, because I know your um, degree in gender studies supported you in writing this book, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess with, with the book being a nonfiction book, this is where people will really get to see a little bit of the academic side of me. Um, but also the book has been made up of a lot of anecdotal stories, experiences of my own life, but also experiences of other brown women from across the country that, that I've had the, the, the honour of interviewing for this book. Um, but what, what I really wanted to do was kind of combine all those skill sets. So what you will see when, when hopefully the book reaches out into the world is that I've really woven anecdotal experiences and personal experiences and woven that with a lot of social theory, political theory, historical theory and what I've done is I've used a lot of those theories that I've learned over the last 10 years um, in the academic world but used those as a way to unpack and challenge and explore all these experiences of what it means to be a brown woman. Um, 
so yeah kind of combine those skill sets together and, and hopefully when people read the book it will come across quite naturally in how I've done that but I guess I can give some examples of other books that people may have seen or other authors that have kind of done that um there's people like George Orwell that have done that in some of his essays there's amazing um, black feminists like Audre Lorde Bell Hooks that have done that quite naturally in their work where they've combined the personal lived experiences with political social theory. So looking at those things together, um, because I often talk about how being a woman of colour and being a brown woman is a very political experience. Um, and what I mean by that is that our experience as a brown woman is political and that's whether we want it to be or not. And I talk about how our bodies are political. I talk about how our mental health experiences are even very political. I talk about the experiences in the workplace and in the classroom are also quite political. And the book really unpacks a lot of that through looking at different theories and looking at what feminists and thinkers and authors and writers have said in the past and how we can apply that or perhaps learn from some of those things even today um so yeah yeah that's kind of how I've combined uh, a lot of my academic theory but also the kind of lived and personal experiences together that's great I mean I'm super looking forward to seeing the book and reading the book um so you definitely have to keep in touch with us and tell us when your book will be releasing um and also we kind of touched a little bit at the beginning what poetry meant in terms of it stems from your religious beliefs and being Sikh and you know what does spirituality mean alongside your journey in being a poet and a writer and, you know, the creativity that you get? Um, so and how does it help you on a daily basis in, you know, coming across in the world and doing that service to others and mindfulness techniques that you use or any, you know, spirituality um, kind of examples that you feel are really close to your heart and they could be an example? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I definitely feel that writing and, and really the poetry, it, it's always been such a healing process for me and something that gives me so much healing. So when I talk about poetry, when I talk about creative expression, it does sound very spiritual and it does sound very mindfulness related because it honestly is. And I kind of compare it to things like meditation, I compare it to things like yoga, I compare it to other things that techniques that people might use to support their mental well-being because there is that element of, of writing poetry that I really feel heals um, because what it can do is it, it takes all that chaos and maybe pain or trauma or all those kind of darker emotions that you might be holding inside yourself and bottling inside yourself and it's releasing them onto a page. And the moment that you release them onto a page and you write them into existence, you are literally taking it out of yourself and, and making it real, which is sometimes quite scary because writing stuff down makes it feel quite real. But I feel like it then becomes easier to manage because you have let it out of yourself and it's not feeling as chaotic as it is in your mind. Um, and the other side of it is that once you let it out, 
it's then up to you if you wish to share it or not. And you don't always have to. There's poems that I've written over the years that I will always just keep for myself. Um, and I know there's definitely a part of that 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 is quite special and quite unique and quite quite precious and something to recognize there that any of those vulnerabilities that you do let out onto a page don't necessarily need to be shared with the world um, they don't need to be shared online um, but if you do feel comfortable to I think sharing poetry whether that's online or whether that's with perhaps a group of people whether that's a writer's group whether that's even through some of the work that I do when I hold workshops um, if the class is comfortable they are allowed to share some of their work with some of the other participants um, and read their work aloud to the rest of the group um, and I think that sense of sharing experiences through poetry is really healing um, and again kind of resonating with that idea of when you share something um, it's the burden is halved, right? There's that kind of saying of once you share something, um, you've halved a problem because you've you've kind of shared it. Um, and I think there's real there's a real power to that and a real sense of healing. Um, and even when I was writing this book, when I was writing Brown Girl Like Me, um, which isn't a poetry book, it's a non-fiction book. Even when I was writing that, I, I found it such a healing process. Um, and that's something I never expected when I was writing that book. I kind of thought, you know what, when I'm writing this book, I'll feel like I've, I've accomplished a piece of work. And I knew I might feel that sense of, of emotion, but I didn't expect to feel such a spiritual process of healing through writing that book because it did resurface a lot of traumas that I had experienced throughout my life. Um, and, and people will see some of those in the books and some of the harder times that I've been through in my life. But I think when I was writing them down and also speaking to other brown women about their experiences, um, that was so healing. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess poetry to me is very spiritual. Um, and I think the two are synonymous with each other. I don't think my spiritual side and my poetic side are, are different people. I think they are very much connected. Um, and I hope people can feel that when they read my work or when they hear me perform. I hope people can hear it and feel it too. I mean, I truly felt it when I listened to your YouTube um, poetry for the TED Talks. So I truly believe you express yourself very well in your writing and your performance and people can feel it as well as that you know saying that writing is an expression of mindfulness like some people like to do talking therapy or this is another form of that it's like writing therapy um and it's it's kind of like a concept I don't think as many people talk about in, I've not heard it as much to be honest it's usually about focusing on your breath and you know talking mm -hmm. about your problems writing and having that expression of therapy is also super healing like you've just said and it it might work for some people it might not work for others I guess everyone has their own ways of um, dealing with certain um, you know issues or feelings and this one is the one that works for you and it's expressing yeah. yourself to the world and letting people hear that but it also might resonate with people that might choose to use the same form of um expression writing and help themselves as well yeah I think um that definitely really good point there Harps about how 
for everybody, this will be very different. And what works for you as an individual will be very different to the to the person next to you. So that's why I always encourage people to try everything. Try and see what works for you. Is it meditation? Is it yoga? Is it perhaps working out and something more kind of physical? Or is it something like writing? Um, I know poetry might not feel like it's for everyone because I think some people might get might get caught up in in the poetic technique and worrying about poetic devices which you really don't have to worry about guys if if you don't have to worry about making it rhyme or making it sound really flowery and um worrying about those sorts of things I think the main element for me is getting people to just start writing and to start letting out something to not worry so much about what it looks like or sounds like so that's why I sometimes encourage people to start with journaling um, because journaling is something that's maybe uh, an easier way for people to get started with with letting with letting out their emotions and, and what I usually advise people is maybe take maybe two or three times a week if you can and two or three times a week writing in a journal And that can be a number of different things that you're writing. It can be your worries and your thoughts, but it could even be something like a gratitude journal where you take two or three times a week where you write down what you're grateful for. Um, And there's lots of different techniques in journaling as well. And that's something um, I also deliver workshops on as well about how journaling can be used as a way to support mental well-being and a way to find some calm. Um, and there's people that do drawing journals and there's people that do micro journals. So there's all different types of, of, of ways to do it. But ultimately, what it all comes down to is, is letting out what you're feeling. Um, so just figure out what that is for you. What helps you let those things out? Is it meditation? Is it yoga? Is it writing? Um is it cooking? Is it baking? For some people, it can be something completely different. Um, but I, I, I really resonate with creative things um, and, and tapping into that inner creative um, and tapping into creativity as a way to explore some of that. That fits so nicely because I was literally going to ask you, what does creativity mean to you? And what, oh, what does passion amazing. mean to you? Because for creative superwomen, I think creativity to people in the first instance means someone who can you know ha- be a really good artist or is really good at music but I feel like creativity lies in every single person in a different form yes. it could be a doctor a nutritionist it could be a musician Absolutely. so it's instrumental in your passion and what it comes from within so it's not just like um the dictionary definition but it's literally yeah. anyone can really express themselves within Yes, absolutely. Like creativity is something, like you said, Harps, is something that's in all of us. And you know what? I think we really need to deconstruct and reconstruct what it means to be creative because I feel we're all born with creativity. Um, I think it's a part of who we are as young people. Um, If you think back to when you were a kid and when you're a toddler, you do feel creative, you do feel brave, you do feel like you can take risks. Um, And we use our imagination and all those things that make up being being creative and what it means, what creativity means. I feel like it's it's a part of us when when we're young, but somewhere along the path. And I don't know if it's when we're teenagers or when we become adults, that creativity is something that dwindles away because I think society tells us 
that we're no longer allowed to be creative, that we need to fit into box A, box B, box C, um, and to let go of all those creative parts of ourselves and all those parts that allow us to take risks and all those parts of us that allow us to feel courageous um, and, and all those bits of what it means to be creative kind of start to disappear. But like, like I said, we, we are all creative and we all have that within us. It's just a matter of tapping into it again and maybe developing it again and, and working on it and improving it. Um, because doesn't everybody want to feel like that? Wouldn't everybody want to feel that sense of, of freedom that you used to feel as a child when you're feeling creative? It is a sense of freedom and it's a sense of um, you feel so powerful knowing that you can be that creative and imaginative. And I feel like you can do that in any field, whether you're doing an office job, whether you're in a medical job, whether you're in the creative arts. I think it's a part of all of us and it's just a matter of tapping into it. Um, and I think that will make us even happier, healthier people if we do. Yeah, I think it's tapping into the inner child because we kind of get conditioned out of our own creativity sometimes. So that's a super valid point, you know, re kind of discovering yourselves because when you get into adulthood, it feels like all the adult stresses, like put away the creativity, just opening up that box again and um, recreating what you what you love and rediscovering yeah. that. Um, so in terms of any aspiring poets or writers um, and any hints and tips that you've come along the way, as well as writing your book, would there be any recommendations that you would want to give to the people listening in today's podcast? Yeah, I've, I've always got lots of tips and tricks that I'm happy to always share with upcoming poets and writers. And, and I'm very big on providing that advice and mentorship when, when people need it, because if if I if people were doing it for me along my journey and, and people were and I'm really grateful for the people that did help and support me along the way um, if I'm able to do that for other people then then I definitely want to and it, it's never about pulling the ladder up um, once you get up it so I think um, if you are an aspiring poet and you are an aspiring writer once you have figured out what your why is, why you're doing all this, and, and coming back to that sense of purpose. Once you've figured all that element out, which is sometimes a bit of soul searching and really understanding that part of what it is that you want to do, is then the part of thinking about what you want to do and how you're going to do it. And that what and how is something that I can definitely provide some advice on. So if it's if it's perhaps publishing you want to get into, if you want to become a published writer or a published poet, um, there's three different routes that I personally looked into, and there may be more now, um, but when I was looking into publishing my work, I looked into self-publishing, which is one route that you could take, um, and there's pros and cons to self-publishing that you can definitely look into online, um, and there's different different platforms that you can self-publish on now that make it quite easy to do. There's also maybe a second option, which could be perhaps crowdfunding. 
a book or a project that you have an idea for um, and, and crowdfunding is usually good for projects that might be something community based or have some sort of kind of social element to it and um, could be something you could explore and, and I've worked with books in the last couple of years where we did crowdfund to get the money to support and back the book and it being produced and reaching the world so there is an option there or there is the kind of more traditional route of getting into a publishing house um, and getting them to publish your book and um, the likes of whether it's Penguin, Macmillan, whether it's smaller publishing houses and um, whether it's boutique publishing houses and um, there's a route there to take as well and one of the first steps I realized into doing that was having somebody help represent me and that would be a literary agent. Um, and I'm really grateful that I have such an amazing and supportive literary agent who has then helped me understand this whole publishing world and, and what to do when you have an idea for a book. What do you do next? Um, so, yeah, taking time to really research which approach you want to take. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier that don't rush. Don't feel like you need to jump into something straight away and not to be looking for that instant gratification. Sometimes these journeys take a little bit longer um, and doing that work and doing that research about getting into it. But alongside kind of, that's kind of really practical advice about publishing. I'd say in general, if you are a poet and a writer, to start thinking about how can you make this a sustainable business and how can you make this a sustainable career? Um, and I'm reluctant to say business because sometimes when I say the word business to artists, artists and creatives and poets, they, they switch off um, because it does sound like a very capitalist term. And I don't want it to sound like that. But what I mean is, how can you make sure that you as a writer, as a poet, make sure that you can sustain your life, pay your bills, pay your mortgage, uh, all the things that you got to do to survive, uh, feed yourself, clothe yourself. Um, how can you make sure you can do that and continue to be a sustainable artist? Um, and there's, an, there's a few tips that I, I can definitely provide on that as well. And I think one element of it is thinking about how you can make money from the work that it is you, you do. How could you diversify your income streams in the work that you do and you love um, and really thinking about how can you take yourself seriously as an artist because the moment that you start doing that and taking yourself more seriously other people will as well and I realized when I started taking myself more seriously as a poet and as a writer um, when I set up a limited company when I started to think about my brand my business those sorts of things I realized that other people started taking me more seriously too. And that's when I started to think about how much should I be charging for my speaker's fee? How much should I be charging for my performances? How should I be perhaps changing my rates for if I'm doing a performance at a, at a corporate space compared to if I was doing a performance for a charity? Thinking about all those elements of, of, of the work that I do and taking it seriously made it way more sustainable and that's when I started to build what, where I am today um, and that's still a very new journey I've only been doing this and um, that side of things and really developing it as, as an actual sustainable career I've only really been doing that in the last two years um, 
but I have been writing poetry and have been a poet for much longer than that. So I'm still very early on in my journey. Um, but that that's probably some of the, the tips and advice I can give so far. But I'm always happy to answer anybody's questions, whether they email me, DM me, tweet me, um, wherever I can, I try and support and, and give the advice that I can. Um, but I'm not the expert on all things. Um, so I'm still figuring out a lot of it myself as well. And thank that's really nicely put. And thank you for all those insights and, you know, hints and tips and tricks. I'm sure it will definitely he- like help those aspiring artists and poets. I mean, like just to finish up, what would you kind of um, say to the younger self, like, 10 20 years ago like your younger self um so you could learn from that and what have you learned from it oh that's a really really lovely question there's something I always ask other people as well and it's something I always ask um a lot of the women that I've interviewed for the book as well it's something that I've asked them what what like what could they what would they want to tell their younger self um and I really wish if I could go back to talk to, especially if I think back to that 13-year-old Jasper, the one that used to suffer from anxiety attacks and had no one to talk to and nobody to speak to. Um, there's one side of me that really wished I could have told her to speak to people about what she was going through and to reach out and look for help. But there's another part that I wish I could tell that younger Jasper to always truly love who she is. Um, And to start to understand who she is and to love every part of her, because I wish I didn't feel like I needed to be someone else. I think a lot of my teenage years, I was trying to be everybody but me. Um, I would look up to beauty standards that were not who I was. I would look look up to other expectations and worry about other people's opinions and all those sorts of things so I really wish I could have told my younger self to to really love who she is um and all those weird and wonderful things about herself um are really going to help other people one day so yeah that's what I wish I could have told my younger self oh thank you and Jasper where can the audience find you so you can find a lot of my work on my website at www.behindthenedra.com. Um, but you can find me on all my socials at Behind the Nedra. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jaspreet. It's been truly a pleasure to have you on our podcast. And you're such a beautiful person with such an amazing energy. And you've got so much to give. And thank you so much for all your insights. It's been so lovely to speak to you. You're such a humble person. And I know you're going to go on to such amazing and beautiful things. And I'm wishing you all the best with your book, Brown Girl Like Me. And I know it's going to do completely amazing. Thank you so much, Harpson. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for getting to the end of the podcast and for listening today. Please share the podcast with friends and family members and inspire other women. Grow knowledge and always remember to work towards your dreams.